This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 through the fan. How much, if at all, did the loss to the Green Bay Packers change your perception of the Cowboys and can a win over Minnesota get it all back? Twofold question eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three. A win over Minnesota get back the perception that the Cowboys can win it all. Yeah. Or whatever um, your whatever your perception was of the team before that. I so my perception of this team was that I still didn't quite understand what they were yet and after the game against Green Bay I still don't. Like I thought I actually I'm probably in a in a more difficult place because early in that game I was like what is this offense doing? Right. Why are they not attacking? And maybe they were trying to set up to create the ability to attack, but I just there were routes that I was like why are we even doing this part of the game? And then, so I'm walking away from this going, I still don't have complete faith or trust in this offense. On the other side of it, I don't have, now I have a little less faith in the defense that they're, because their secondary got beat up, man. Their secondary got beat up, not in the sense that they just sat there and gave up 400 yards passing, but they gave up huge plays that they don't typically give up. And I know you've been kicking Anthony Brown in the teeth for a while now, Kevin. Not undeservedly. But him not being on the field actually is worse considering their depth at yeah. this point. Like the, To the point where they gave up on their defense and moved digs and said, we're doing this. So the defense, I hear what Mike McCarthy's saying when it comes to, hey, this is a privilege. If y'all want, y'all love rushing the passer. Y'all love it. And, you know, I, I I think that is one of the things is they get to a point where they're undisciplined in some of the things that they want to do. But now you guys are going to have to wait on that. Y'all have to do this first before you can go do this because this was making up for the lack of in those areas at first. And as you might imagine, people are kind of all over the board here from the 214. They weren't feeling super good about the Cowboys to begin with. The loss to the Packers does not change my perception of the Cowboys at all. I still think Dak is below average as a quarterback, and that game solidifies it. A good quarterback wins that game. From the 2-1-4, loss to Green Bay is no big deal. I'm confident. And then they said, wink, wink, which makes me believe that perhaps they are not confident. From the 9-7-2, the loss individually is not a big deal. It does make me scared of specific playoff matchups against run-heavy teams and they cited Philadelphia and San Francisco. And, you know, I mean, Micah said it was that the performance was awful and it's something they're going to have to fix. And then a wave of people came in and said they actually feel better because of what happened last night. And you see that on every, you know, like I know it's the cliche, but any given Sunday or in this case Monday night, you could have a bad matchup or a bad night, and it can cost you. And so there is now a contingent of people who believe that they don't feel as bad because the Eagles lost to the Commanders. My contention to go along with all of this is 
I think the loss to Green Bay is bad. I think it's a bad loss. But you're going up against a Minnesota team that I now think, if you want to argue they're, what, the second or third best team in the league, I think you can have that argument. I would probably slot them definitely not at two. But if you wanted to make that argument, I think you could. If the Cowboys go on the road and win that game, then are people like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, especially that it looks like that's going to be a path that you might have to take to the playoffs. Playoffs, Because if you do lose this game by seven or more, and you feel like the last three to four minutes you're not really in it, then you're going to, well, how in the world are we supposed to do this in January? Yeah. And if you go up there and win, and then you go, hey, you beat Philadelphia on Christmas Eve, and I don't want to say run the table, but if you maybe only lose one more game and it can't be in division, it has to be an out-of-division game, then maybe there's a chance that you could find yourself at 13-4 and four and the one seed, or 13-4 and four and the two seed. So I do think this is a big test game and it will give the cowboy fan a lot of confidence or very little confidence and the reason i say very little is because of the history of the cowboys because for 26 years seven 27 years there hasn't been really much to say oh yeah but the cowboys end up winning yeah cowboys end up losing and not really getting close to where you want them to get to so It'll be a huge game for I don't I'm speaking for myself. I'll just speak for myself. It'll be a huge game for me. If the Cowboys lose this game and they lose it by 3 points, a late field goal or they come back and score a touchdown under 2 minutes to go, I'll go. You know, you had a good chance to win, just didn't go your way. I can see this or that going your way and beating Minnesota the next time you face them. But if you lose this game 30 to 20, I'm going to be like, "Well, okay, so the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs, probably losing the first round. Yeah. If not, they're losing in the second round. To answer your question, though, from my perspective of if will the a win over Minnesota change it? No. Okay, tell I, me more about that. Because I expect that. the Cowboys to be in that category. I actually like that's where I put them is okay. in that status area. And in that area, you see that those good teams beat each other all the time. Like it, like it, it kind of. I I'm putting them there already, and I'm not taking them out of it because what happened against Green Bay. I still think that they can be one of those good teams that ends the season with a really good record. And what happens in the playoffs, like that's, you know, that's depending on opponent and lots of different things there. But I I already put the Cowboys in that top seven category of teams in the NFL. So if they beat Minnesota, then they should be. They're, they're a good team. They should be beating teams like that. And if they lose to them, it's like, well, I mean, that's a good team that they lost to. So they're in that cat. This is like Buffalo and all those other teams that are fighting over there in the NFC or the uh, the AFC. Yeah. There are a bunch of really good teams there. And I'm not saying that because Buffalo loses to the uh, Kansas City that, you know, that's it for them. Well, because Kansas City's a good team. They You're, you're going to have another opportunity to match up with them eventually. How Mike's right, though, how they play this game is going to be a bigger factor. And I think they're going to... I, I really wanted Kevin because of so much of this is McCarthy's place. They want to go win this for the coach. They have an opportunity to show El- Odell, look, this is what you're coming into when you walk into this place. Those are some really good motivational things that could have worked in their favor this week. And for whatever reason, they didn't... It didn't succeed for them. The interesting thing... And the re- one of the reasons I think it's interesting is it just doesn't jive with, like, 
what Vegas is saying right now. And I know there's always a Cowboys tax in Vegas, but the Cowboys are favored by one point going on the road into this game against a team with a better record. And thus I'm surprised far, it didn't change more. It went from two to one. Yeah, exactly. And 59% of the, the picks so far on ESPN are coming in on the Cowboys. And then you see things like this, which is fair. If you can't stop a rookie wide receiver, how are you going to stop Justin Jefferson? And then people are like, well, if you can't stop the run, how are you going to fare against the Vikings? And I think those are very fair concerns because, you know, you go up against a Vikings team that you feel like could run the ball, but then also go up against maybe one of the best two receivers in the NFL right now with a thinned out potential secondary, depending on how Anthony Brown progresses during the week. That is concerning. I'm Dalvin Cook is not like he's running for 140 yards a game. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, he's he's in that 90 range, and maybe they want to save him, you know, a little more for playoffs or whatnot. They can run the ball though, and they know that they run one direction. It's very they're running left side. All right, like that's what the you go look at what the Packers did so well. They ran very well to the left side. I don't know exactly who they're running at, Kevin, but I think we got some ideas there. Yeah. The and so they, like they know. I think the, that Minnesota is going to try the same thing. This is just the desire of the Cowboys to want to stop it. Do they want to prove a point this week? They can do that. Now Jeff Jefferson, different category. This is this could be if they play it right, Kevin. This could be one of the most fun things to watch. Is the Justin Jefferson Diggs matchup? Like this could be an absolute blast. If every time we look up, those two are playing against each other, and then who's stopping Thielen? You know, like there there are some weapons there to work with. Yeah, but it, I guess I'm less concerned about. You know, they said rookie wide receiver. You're dealing with Aaron Rodgers still. Don't forget about that. That's back to back MVPs. We are also dealing with Kirk Cousins here. Kirk it, Cousins will has a tendency to do some things that. Get Mike. I think it was three o'clock. Whenever I was like, oh, Kirk's crap in the bed right now. Like, I felt like it was that point in the game where that game had turned over to a 3 o'clock game, and I was like, look, this is where Kirk Cousins does this They stuff. told him on the sidelines, hey, they've just changed all the games that are over to your game. <laughs> so this, this is like millions He's like, I of can't people. take that like, level of pressure. As long as hundreds of thousands are watching, I'm a good quarterback. <laughs> and then we get this from the 9-0-3 after the loss to the Packers. Thank you for not wasting the rest of my year. I'm out. And – I think that goes to your point, Mike. I'm I'm surprised. I think you could make a very good argument going into the game against the Packers that the Cowboys were a top four or five team yeah, in the they NFL. Power ranked yes, four on yes. all three and of the rankings I did. And so they lost this game. It's a bad loss, to be sure. It's, but it feels like what I think, Mike, is people were just waiting for either yeah. other shooter drop and they were just waiting for a reason to not believe. And I understand where they're coming from. Like I've talked about, I'm a little bit indifferent on the Cowboys this year. I'm watching all the games. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say cheering for them, but they're the team I'm hoping that wins. It, that loss didn't really affect me. And like, oh no, this is a horrible team now. I, the Cowboys to me have proven they're a good team. They have flaws. There's teams that are better than them than than them in the NFL, but not a lot of teams. They should be a playoff team if they get the right matchup. If they play great. They can win, but I think you just saw. I thought the Cowboys played pretty good Sunday. Maybe average, but they didn't play below average. They played average to good. I thought the Packers played great. 
And so you saw that even an average to below average team, if they play great and you only play average to a little bit above average, you're going to lose. You're just – you don't have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I'm sorry to the Dak fans. I think he's a good quarterback. But you don't have a future Hall of Famer. You don't have an elite – just this dude's a top five quarterback. I don't care what he did last week that can bail you out of situations. He not He's not a guy that can bail you out if your team isn't playing well. And then this might be the most important thing. I know this probably reaches a lot of people from the 940. The Cowboys need to win on Sunday. My girlfriend is meeting my parents for the first time and watching the game with us. So I need to be in a good mood. Oh, really? Yeah. You can't just turn the game off during this time afterwards. What? And listen to it, obviously, but like the TV, just isn't don't look at isn't it. That, but the point is, it's going to affect his mood, not his attention span. It's the mood. And they're like, well, I don't know. What do you want us to have for dinner? As opposed to, hey, whatever. You're going to have to smoke a blunt. Oh, my. I'm not suggesting okay. it, but you got to find. like you just did. That's a weird thing to do in front of your <laughs> girlfriend's parents. Well, Are we sure? Uh, unless. Who knows? But I think you got to find you got to find ways. That's one way to remain calm. Uh, there are other ways. Do some yoga that morning. Mike always does yoga. He's a calm man. Just I did do him. yoga this morning on the second floor. How are you feeling? Good. See? See? Whenever you do things. I'm trying to get into you. a routine of getting here earlier. And doing yoga and then doing 10 minutes of the elliptical and doing some weights. There you go. Which I takes about be 40 minutes. So I'm 2-0 and o so far this week. Look at you. I'm proud of you, Mike. And then you have felt more upbeat. So Thanks. That's tremendous. Taylor Swift stretch with me? Maybe. Taylor Swift uh, tickets, Kevin, in uh, New Jersey. How's it looking? New Jersey. Section 3, New Jersey. row 29. Section for? 3, row 29, $11,480. What? Section Worth 8, it. row 9, $12,628 on StubHub. Is she coming to She is coming to Dallas. Dallas. She's going to be at AT&T. Two Arlington? nights. Two nights. But I was just looking. That's that's freaking New Jersey, bro. So didn't her whole album, like every song go top 20 on the like she owned the whole list from one to ten or something so at one basically point? if you're gonna want to go to this concert you, you need to, to be prepared to oh i mean hit the bank yeah or yeah, rob a bank yep or is more controversial not rob a bank go to the bank you said hit a bank so i that is I fair that is a good point we should have a bank robber on our show uh, give me a minute all right we'll see if we can would you set up the question like that hey would you rob a bank to go see taylor swift and he's like oh man sit on the floor for sure like i don't think that's going to be the outcome but we will see we're the knc masterpiece right here on 105.3 the fan coming up next we will talk with dallas mavericks great rolando blackman plus could you chain smoke and finish a marathon all that next right here on the fan Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top 
mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Blackman with a ball, head of the key, pressured by Jordan. Blackman fakes on Jordan, right of the lane, fadeaway shot, good from 18 feet. Rolando Blackman has six. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 Feet the Fan. Going to talk with Rolando Blackman in just one minute. But before we get to that, a couple other notes for you. Adam Schefter dropped this yesterday, and I thought it was worth checking out, is... There are now five open investigations against Dan Snyder or the commanders. And the thought is that that's why he's going to end up selling the team sooner rather than later. So, you know, we went back a couple weeks ago with a conversation with Jerry Jones about, hey, could they be looking for finance stuff for the stadium and everything? I think those investigations combined with the lack of ability to get the stadium done is why he's going to sell. So it's looking more and more like we are moving that direction, that it's not a minority sale or refinancing or anything like that to get capital for a new stadium. He is going to sell the team. And then also the NFL is looking to expand out even more, doing games in France and Spain going forward. But right now, on the line, Dallas Mavericks great Rolando Blackman. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, and it is a good afternoon. Sun or shine, as long as, as long as you're feeling good like I am, everything is good. Man, love it. Love it. Uh, we love your positivity. We love every time that we've had you on, and this time, not that we wouldn't want to just talk to you anyway, but we were all reading that profile article in D Magazine and would love to kind of pick your brain about a couple of different aspects about that if everyone hasn't had the chance to read it just yet. Definitely. Definitely, I would love to talk about that. That's uh, that, that's something that, that's something that's part of my life, and uh, for sure, I've been living it. Now, to start with, I was hoping you could describe. And again, I know this is all walked through in the piece in D Magazine, and I believe it's Ben Swanger. If you get the opportunity to go read it, it's really excellent. Could you describe to the people who know you from the Mavericks, love you for everything you contributed to this Metroplex, how you got? to the United States to begin with, because it was a lengthy journey. You know, the important factor to note is that, is that uh, growing up in Panama in the 60s, as far as that's concerned, all my family in Panama, my grandmother and her seven kids were moving up into the United States from 1959 on. Her, my grandmother, my abuelita, my grandmother and her son started to move here. And then um, everybody started to go down uh, one at a time. Well, in 1967, 
it was time for Rolando. But before that, my grandmother said that I would probably get a better education and some things will happen for me in a better way. So she applied uh, three years earlier for a student visa to come to the United States to go to school. So here it is. In 1967 came this red piece of paper out of the envelope that had my name on it and the application to being able to fulfill that I could come up to, to see her in Brooklyn, New York, to go to school in the United States for my education. So that's how I got here. My grandmother applied, and uh, I, got a, I got a chance to do that, waited three years, and here I was as an eight-year-old coming to the USA to go to school. Ro, were you scared? Were you excited when you got that? No, oh, I, was, I was excited because uh, I was coming into a place where family members were already. They were here since 59, and her mom, my, my uh, grandmother, her, her eldest son, another son, another daughter. And so I was coming in where there was, uh, you know, she had seven kids. The only one that was left over there was my mother in Panama in 67. So everybody else was in New York, you know, building their lives, getting jobs, putting, putting themselves into proper place. So I was excited. I was excited to go to school and to really have the opportunity for what my grandmother said would be a, an opportunity. Man, I was reading this story, and you explained the first time you went and and got the basketball in your hands, and you went out there, and you weren't good. And I think we've all like as as a dad, I've been you know coached a lot of teams. What were the people yelling at him, Corey? Uh, they, hey, get off the court! And <laughs> and I, I've seen this, Rolando. Like I've seen kids get a ball or get a you know they get up to 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 play for baseball and they run to the wrong base and they don't know what they're doing. And you explained that part of you were dribbling the ball off everything, and you didn't quite know how until somebody said, "I want to, I want to show you." You know, and and that's the we always say this, Kevin, with hockey fans and soccer fans. Don't make fun of the new fans. Teach them, yes. show them, show them the way. Let them become fans with you. And I love that part of this story because you you learned and became a great player. And then on top of that, like you now spend time with kids that are learning and developing, and you get to see those kids do the exact same thing. Do you treat it kind of the same way because of the way you learned? All the way, all the way. It's, it's, it's important not to destroy a young spirit and a young mind. It's very important that that that's a living thing inside of a person's mind. You could you could you could crack their minds or crack crack the things that would make them great adults, uh, strong adults later on. The internal mind and the spirit to being able to try things, to being able to ask questions, to being able to to to, to meet challenges. And adults can do so much for a kid. So. As, as for me, growing up, uh, I played soccer from when I was four years old. And when I got to the United States, nobody was using their hands. In Brooklyn, New York, those kids were all hooping. I was, in, I was in the corner of the park for two years myself, kicking the soccer ball around. And I was very good at soccer, the forward position, the scoring forward position. But nobody was playing any soccer. But the important thing is when I got on that court, those guys were going off. They were, I, I grabbed the basketball and I started running with it. And they, they said, that's traveling. I didn't know what traveling was. I did, I did it again, and they threw me off the court. Like, get off the court. And they took my ball that I brought there. Oh, no. And they took my ball and took, took my ball and put me on the sideline. And I watched them play for three hours. And then they, but, but at least they gave me my ball back and told me I was a scrub, get off the court. <laughs> you know, so, but the important factor was I, try, I kept trying to play, trying to play, but I needed the external help, which is exactly what adults can do for kids, especially those who don't know. When, when someone doesn't know something – you have to apply yourself to help them gather the information. You can't be a know-it-all or even have a bad attitude in teaching or have, or have this kind of a gruffy kind of a thing like 
you should know this, you should know that, or why don't you do the you, you gotta you gotta let the person learn at their pace and really have the opportunity to know that they have a trusted person giving them information that will help them. So that's what I got from my man Ted Gustus, who who saw me behind that fence and uh asked me if I wanted to play. I, I can tell you what, I'm getting goosebumps right now sitting here at home, just remembering the, the the thought process of looking at this guy and he brought me around to court number six which had guys just like me dribbling the ball off the court, dribbling the ball off this, your, your foot, throwing the ball, and it goes over the basket. You know, just, it, it was just guys that couldn't play the game that well. But he taught us every day, guys, Monday through Saturday, taught us every day and gave us a chance to, to come through while asking us questions about our schoolwork, making sure that our diction was well, making sure that we're speaking, making sure that we're trying to follow a societal rule that would help us later on instituting those things that my mother talked about, but there was someone in the street doing the same things. I wouldn't have made it without it. I wouldn't have made it without it because the streets rule. They can, they can go past any politicians, good advertising or somebody's talking or some people are sitting around a dinner table talking about how they would do it and, and what they would have done and what their family has done and all of the things that are pompous. That don't that don't mean for anything when you when you don't actually get into the street and actually try to do things that help people in their in their daily lives and the survival of what they do and how their lives are not your life their lives help them at their level not think about stuff that you can just espouse um, 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 verbally that sound good but doesn't have anything to do with the day to day lives of those people who don't have. Well, when it comes to your high school time, uh, Roe, uh, and this is kind of in the top of the article. It talks about you were depressed because your freshman and sophomore year, you didn't even make a high school basketball team and so had to keep fighting and clawing. So kind of two-part question. Talk about how that felt, and then eventually you get to your senior year, and you're so good that colleges actually want you to play basketball. You know, you know, you have you have ways, and and people know this all around Dallas. I've met so many different great people and people all throughout the whole thing. You know, the pain of of, of going after something and not getting it, it's 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 uh, it's actually real pain when people say, "Oh, I'm gonna, ah, it's okay, I didn't do it. It's okay. It's, it's not okay when you really want something and you can't attain it, and you and you go out there like I was in the in the in I was in the seventh grade and I had that little number on my back." And, the, and you try out, you run up and down that court, you try to pass, you try to hit shots, you try to make, and then you, get, you turn around and you get cut. It's like, okay, you got cut. I got cut. And I couldn't make it. And then you come back again after working the rest of the year, eighth grade, come back, cut, cut again. And then you, the thing for me, you kept working. I kept working, working. And then I went to the ninth grade. I thought I was pretty good, could play the game, and I got cut. That year, was a year spent in, like, I, I swear, I swear to you, it had to be like clinical depression. I, I don't remember anything. I, don't, I, don't, I remember just, I just remember a cloud over my head. I remember the guy's jacket at a game I went to. I remember a guy's jacket. I remember a couple of my science classes and my English class at school. And I, I, I don't remember anything. I remember, I remember getting out of the school. I remember graduation where, the, where I was leaving to go to 10th grade at, uh, at Grady High School. I remember that. I don't remember anything else. I just was in the house. I was practicing basketball, and I was going home. I was sitting in the room doing my chores, doing my stuff, doing my schoolwork, and not coming back outside except to play basketball. That was it. So it was, it was a tough time. But at the end of the day, like I said, you've got to have angels 
You've, you've got mm-hmm. to have somebody, guys. You can't. You cannot do it on your own. You're not. You're not strong enough as a human being to just be plowing through without having someone who cares, an angel out there that's in your corner that can set you right, give you the proper mentality, which which what Ted Gustus did for me, and had the opportunity to keep teaching me the game, keep giving me the prospect, and I just kept working. I just put my head down, did my schoolwork. I was lucky at the time, though, fellas, because at the time. I was playing basketball. I was an altar boy in the Episcopal Church for the, for, the, for the three and a half, four years, and I was taking taekwondo during that time. So I was doing taekwondo. I was going to church. I was playing basketball, and I was going to school. That's it, and that's all I was doing. So all I had was a basketball in my hand. I was reading my schoolwork. I was taking taekwondo, and I was being an altar boy from, on, from all the way from Thursday through Sunday uh, going down to the church. So it was a blissful time, a blissful time at that time, but it was all just painful, but it was consistent to the, what I wanted to do was to be on a basketball team, and that's what I was tearing through. You have a choice. You know, you could, you could quit and do bad things because it's easy to do that in Brooklyn, New York. It's, yeah. it's easy around you. So, but um, I just had Ted. I had my mom, and I had, uh, and I had the, uh, the, the, the blissfulness of having these other things to do to keep my mind where it's supposed to be. Now, we're talking with Rolando Blackman right here on 105.3 The Fan. One of the things reading the article that I hadn't realized, and then I figured it out why I didn't realize this, is you made the 1980 Olympic basketball team, but then this was one of the games where the United States boycotted the Olympics. While we're talking about positive and negative kind of mixed into one, what was that roller coaster of emotions like? Hey, hey, listen, just because you just brought it up again, and right now what you just brought up again was a, a searing cut through my heart again, okay? Sorry. You have to, you have, you have to know, but you, you know, I laugh about it, but you have to <laughs> know and understand that when you come from a place like Panama City, Panama, where there was about 2 million people at the time when I left there, 2.5 million people, and come to New York, and you go through all of this family stuff and, getting, get, you know, the, the, the abuse was, was really, really rough. And you go through all the cutting, all the stuff that goes through, and you go through, and you fight. But then you all of a sudden you get really good, you get really good, and you come out and you go to Rupp Arena and you see the, the top, you see the top people in all the world are there, and you make the team. Not only do you make the team, you're the starting shooting guard on the 1980 Olympic basketball team. And next thing you know, you hear, well, we might not go because the Russians are in Afghanistan. Like, what does that have to do with what? That they're not, okay. Uh, okay. So what, what, what does that have to do with us playing, going to Moscow and beating them down, and getting this and getting this gold medal? But it's just one of those things you learn when you when you learn about interoperable politics and you learn about social life and you learn you learn about all of those things. So, listen, guys. I, I'm you know I, every time there's an Olympics, and those people come come around. From from Uruguay, from this country, from that country, and their and their team is carrying the flag, and they're walking around the track with the flag. I'm there. I'm there, sitting there once again, every four years in pain of 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 of, of the accomplishment, and then missing the opportunity to represent the United States as as one of the participants on on a team. I went out and made the team, so. You know, it's just it's just a matter of what they call life. It's life, but it's all these accomplishable pieces in, in the puzzle. That, that that's why 
That's why it keeps me focused even today, keeps me ravenous, because I understand even with good comes the bad, but you can never stop, never, and continue to go on each and every day. Alondo Blackman gracing our airwaves here today on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. And Mike Bassick knows that a little bit, too, having qualified for the Olympics and then not quite getting to go with the team, Mike. I know we, right. we kind of helped, uh, helped that just a little bit by getting you a bronze medal, so that kind of helped just a little That's bit. That's right. But we understand that experience a little bit. I'm This is a two-piecer here for me, Rolando. Yeah. When you were playing, who was your favorite person to play against? And I don't want to make this too much about this current Mavs team and Luca, but right now, who do you who's your favorite matchup to watch Luca play against? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh my goodness! You know, I'm I'm watching Luca all the time, each and every game, and uh, it's so tremendous and so entertaining to watch to watch an elite player. It's a uh, it's an it's a it's something that's special. You're watching. You're watching someone that has all the skills and is an already an all-time great. How great will he be? My goodness, please give me the opportunity to watch his whole career so that I can be there yeah. uh, once again to, to, to bear witness to this, to this greatness that we're watching. Um, I think I like, I like, I like watching, I like watching Luca play against any team that thinks they can guard him one-on-one. <laughs> like a <laughs> I like watching. I like watching that, and I and I love what these teams are doing now. Also, too, is that they're giving him a mode of operation uh, with the rest of the teams and trying to double team him, trying to get him to move the ball early. They're trying different trickery things that are going on all throughout, and uh, he's solving the puzzle. You know, he's solving the puzzle, getting the ball to the open players. Anytime you can distend a defense the way he can with his presence and skills. It's a wonderful thing to be on the other other end to be able to get at the other end of those passes with an advantage catching that ball. So I just I just like to watch him because I see the multiple opportunities he has not only to score but also to get his teammates involved and the impact he makes on the game. So I just sit there and just uh, you know I just sit there. Sometimes I'm home. Sometimes I'm at the games. Sometimes I watch the games after uh, I do my work at the arena. But I come home and I check out the moves and check out the thought process and. I just hope that the jumper is going because if the jumper is going, no matter what the other team does, it's all over. I just want to let you know we're kind of watching the fan text while we do this interview, and there's so many people jumping in talking about going to your ba- camps. Yeah, yeah, going to your basketball camps, and then also one person who said out in Plano that you invited people to Cheddar's afterwards and you treated them to lunch or dinner or whatever. So so many people having like super positive memories with you. And I was just kind of curious, like we talked about this article and I definitely encourage people to go check it out. But at the beginning of the article, you talk about like growing up and you and your sister having to like break up like actual fights between your parents. Do you ever reflect on like you went from there to not knowing the game, to making the Olympic team, being in the NBA and just all of these amazing things with your life? Well, I just, I just know that, I just know that, uh, that, that I'm not the only one who's going through that. I know a lot of, probably a lot of kids uh, who are in different households in poverty or whatever the situation is are going through a, a disruptive time sometimes with their parents as far as all of that's concerned mom and dad are fighting like crazy like mine did all the time i don't know you know since i can remember i can since i can remember i remember big fights happening all the time and consistently and then when you try to break it up you get hurt and you get hurt in in between all of that you get beat down and it's a it's a terrible thing for a kid in your mind but i think at the end of the day 
what I always had, like I said before, was the love and care of, of people outside of that. But I always had good guidance, though. Got people who would guide me, and and then and then again, once again, I I wasn't a knucklehead. I chose to listen to the people who said to go to school, who said that that would help me, who said that that would give me an opportunity and a pathway to move forward if I started with the educational path. And the educational path is what I started with. And that led me to a lot of other things with the basketball, with the school. I graduated from Kansas State University. I'm a UN ambassador to the Office of Drugs and Crime, Human Trafficking, Child Soldiering. On my expertise levels, I've been with the UN now for the last over the last 10 years. So when you talk about different things that are going on worldwide, I've been all over the world on UN missions and also also just traveling. Is that you have to understand that all these things I've done comes from from just being able to be inquisitive into what's happening. But I tell you what, guys, the young part of all that beatdown is exactly what gives me my edge today. So I can't take it away. I wouldn't change it or anything like that, too, because I'll look a fool in the eye, and he has to understand that be careful here. Be careful. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a nice guy, and I love being nice. I love being nice. I love I care for people. I care for people all the time. I can feel for people when I'm with them and talking to them and understanding who they are, what they do, what I do. But I'm not, a, but I'm not the one. That's, that's the thing about it. I'm not, I'm not the one. So don't be coming. Don't don't try to hurt me or hurt my family, or or, or else there's, there's there's another guy inside that, that that'll be unleashed on you, because I had to go through that in the streets of Brooklyn, New York, to just to get from home to school, back to home, go 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 to the store, go to that. I'm not. It's, it's not. It's not. And it's not the player, dude. So understand what's happening. And I keep that with me every day. I keep that with me, and and it, and it makes it part of me. But it's something that I keep dormant because I don't need him. I don't need him, but he's there. So the important thing is that that's what helps me on the court, on the basketball court when I was playing, all those things. I'm not afraid of some dude screaming in the stands. Well, what, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> right. Just because the guy has a white uniform on, you think he has an advantage over me? Are you serious? Those are the, those are the attitudes and things that helped me as I grew and as I came through the pain came through the pain to being able to acquiesce to the things that I needed socially to be able to move forward. But I always had, I always had the guidance. I always had a love. I always had angels, people who cared enough to stop and, and give me a few words, give me a few words of encouragement. And that's what helped me throughout. I couldn't do it by myself. Society helped me. And through that, I, I try to do the same today because it's important what you put your hand on a kid and give them the advice that they need and the opportunity that goes through that whole situation. It's, uh, it's really important that we all be social and really try to help the next person because the, that's the only way we make it, and, and we're better that way. And, Ro, just to give you a personal story, I can remember being 10 or 11 years old and Coach Bacon, who I believe was the coach at Lincoln at the time, and you were at a, you were at a camp in Duncanville. I grew up in Duncanville, and I remember going to Coach Bacon, and, and Rolando Blackman was the special guest at that. And, I mean, you're one of the people – uh, in my life that I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. I ended up playing professional baseball, but I love basketball. And you're one of the main reasons why I love basketball. Uh, blessings, blessings. And that's a, Coach Bacon is my friend to, to, till today. He's a, one of my best friends, a super guy, fantastic basketball mind, and, and a guy that cares and understands exactly what the, the game is all about, that kind of a thing. And uh, 
it's a wonderful thing. During my time with the camps, I, it was never a star camp for me. You know, I was there all day making sure that I touched the kids, know their names, got the chance to meet the family, and just have the opportunity really just to be ingrained inside of society. You know, I am part of society. I'm, I, I have all these accolades, all these things that I've, that I've garnered and gained, but it was through the help of other people. People were there to help me. I moved in that direction, and they moved with me. And it wasn't just me. It was a whole group of people all the time. So I try to give that back uh, wherever I go. I'm here in Dallas, Fort Worth, and wherever I go in the world on my UN missions, it's a, it's a special thing for me to be a part of something special and to be a part of uh, internal to society and its growth, which, which I love to do very much. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, compelling answers to this, but I'm curious, since you mentioned your UN mission work, my wife has done a lot of mission work. Is there any particular place or places that stood out to you that you traveled to? Well, I mean, the, the, what, what stands out to me is, is uh, different places in the Congo and Africa stand out to me. Uh, different places like in Nairobi, uh, Sierra Leone, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, different places in, in the Middle East like Jordan, um, Egypt. Um, I've, been, I've been through so many different places in Beirut. It's a it's a it's a wonderful situation to see different living systems and different systems of life, different thought processes, different religions, different ways of, of doing things as far as the life is concerned, and and then come back to my come I come back to my USA life and understand what works, what doesn't, what what's moved forward, and just to see that people all over the world are all the same. They want to have a good job. They want to feed their families. They want to practice their religions in peace. They want to have the opportunity to, to, to see their, children's, their children flourish. All of us are all the same in that aspect. And at the end of the day, if you're going to live in a different country and someone's doing something different somewhere else, then let them. The important thing is that we have what we have here in the United States, and let's keep an eye on what's going on here in the USA so we can now be what it's supposed to be, and that's the United States of America. And let's get back to being united so that we can be the most powerful and best country, because we are. I travel the world, and we're the best. If we can stay united, if we if we break apart and fight, and don't see that that we're the best all, out of all the countries now and, and come apart, then then we're not the best. So then that's what the that's what the whole portionality of the whole thing is. Uh, that's what my travel has taught me. Man, this is just so beautiful. And I know mm-hmm. I'm going to jump back to your Olympic team in 1980 that didn't get to go to the Olympics. And through this article, row, I started researching a little bit more about that 1980 team. I had no clue that Mark Aguirre was on that team. Isaiah Thomas was on that team. You guys went around and I guess played against NBA all-star teams instead of getting to go to the Olympics. Can you talk more about that? And did you uh, develop a special relationship with maybe a player on that team during your time? Well, that was fun. I mean, that, that was, that was so much fun. We were all young and really ravenous and, and really had a really really had a pissed offness to us to us also too in those games <laughs> because we were like look man this this is this is what we had right now too to go play against these NBA teams and and try to go out go out there and beat beat them to show that that we're that we're really good players really good players so it was a it's just a lot of fun uh, uh, getting together with Mark who was uh, the number one pick here and showing the skills I mean we had Sam Bowie when Sam Bowie was Sam Bowie man from Kentucky can shoot the ball and and can, can go to the top of the square catching lob passes. I mean Isaiah Thomas was the Isaiah Thomas was the point guard, uh, Darnell Valentine. We had all we had all kinds of people that, that could play the game on that team and it was just fun playing against the NBA teams and uh, I think the only one that beat us was the smart team of Lenny Wilkins out in Seattle because Lenny Wilkins was smart. He put four members of his team 
on the team. So they were running plays and running around all over the place. And it was like, ah, so these guys came and, and they beat us by a few points, but it was, it was fun to beat everybody else, including all the Magic Johnson-led teams in Indianapolis wow. and all the rest of the, the teams that we, that we really served them really well so that uh, they can know that here we come for sure. And, that's, uh, and that was the most fun part about the whole thing, to be able to, to, be able to show our wares and, and get out on that court and, uh, and, and, really, and really have fun and playing the game we love. And, Ro, could you further the story in D Magazine where once you make the Olympic team, if I have this correct, and you can correct the story here, is that's when you found out you weren't a United States citizen? You know what's funny about that? Now, let me, let me tell you now. Let me, what's funny about that, you know, of course, of course at, the, at, the, at 1967 now, you can imagine now, 1967, the immigration was big here in the United States. They were yeah. getting people from all over the place. Manufacturing was wonderful. People, my, my family, my, my family members were changing jobs. They're like, this job is well. we had a job here at the manufacturer. And then this guy was paying like $10 more. So they would change to that manufacturer, this and that, and the other. They were, had all these different types of jobs and different types of things. So they were getting immigrants from all over. And I'm, and I'm saying to have legal immigrants, legal immigrants, people, people who came in legally to being able to get a job and to work and to put these things together. It was wonderful. But the idea is that every piece of paper I signed, guys, every piece of paper I signed with my name, Rolando Antonio Blackman, put my address on there. And, the, and then they had the little thing on the bottom said, U.S. citizen. I looked at that. I said, shoot, heck yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I put that stroke in there, U.S. citizen. So every piece of paper that the U.S. would have on me had me signing yes for the U.S. citizenship. But I didn't know. I was an immigrant. I was an immigrant that had to still apply for citizenship. So I went all the way through school signing stuff, putting stuff together, everything. And every time I would sign it, sign it as an American citizen. So I, I went to the Olympics. I went to, the, to, to Rupp Arena in Kentucky as an American citizen and whooped them, whooped them real good, got on the team. And the next thing you know, we didn't go. And I found out like a couple of, what, a couple of years later, we didn't go a couple of years later that I still had to apply. So I actually got my citizenship officially uh, right here in Dallas at the uh, downtown courthouse in 1986. 1986, I, I fully became an American citizen. Well, I was always an American citizen in my heart from when I first got here. So the important factor was all I did was put the paperwork together late, but uh, everything was always, always in place for me right from the beginning. Man, Talking with you is always a real joy, and we're going to have to go, which makes me very sad because this has been tremendous. The article is tremendous, and I really encourage everybody to go read it, and I can't thank you for your time enough today. Thanks a lot, guys. I get a chance to learn a little bit more about the full life, uh, Rolando. So at the end of the day, I'm here. You'll see me in the street somewhere. Don't forget to say hello. Don't drop your head. There you go, <laughs> yes, Rolando, sir. Rolando Blackman <laughs> with one great. last piece of excellent advice. I like somebody's comment. They go, man, row a dog. Yeah, He's he like, and yeah. like, I love, he goes, don't confuse that as the player. Yeah. Rolando Blackman. And, and That's it a whole says different that story. Deal. I mean, in that article, he said, I was walking to the court with two samurai swords. And that's when that player came out was I'm not going down without a fight today. It really is an excellent article. And I'm glad it yeah. facilitated that conversation. Thank you to Jess who found this article for yes. you, who sent it to me. And then we got to talk to Rolando about this. And I was just thinking as this is interview ends is 
The Mavericks are so lucky to have Rolando Blackman as kind of their first superstar. I think Mark Aguirre was right there with yeah. him. In the end, it ended bad with with Mark going to Detroit. But like you have Rolando Blackman, just what an unbelievable human being he is. And then it took a decade, but then followed up by Dirk. So the people who represent your organization, Rolando Blackman, Dirk Nowitzki, I know there's other people like Derek yeah. Harper and Brad, Brad Davis. Davis, but I mean, yeah. you know, Rolando, your your first superstar, then Dirk takes it over, and then hopefully Luca can carry the torch too. Just a really fortunate thing, and just really one of my favorite interviews of all time, right there. Awesome, I love hearing that. We're the KNC masterpiece right here on 105 through the fan. Coming up next, the C Block starring Corey Majors. Man, how do you even follow that? That you know? is a great point. I guess with Stephen A. Smith getting called out by Sean Sharif and a little bit of conversation oh. that goes along with that next on the fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.